Welcome to Synergetic Culture, where we exist to provide practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. Here's the dichotomy though. Culture is formed either by design or by default. A culture by design, when adopted by the people within the culture, has a multiplying effect in the way it builds the organization and the individuals within it. And this, my friends, this is a synergetic culture. So how do we create a culture by design? What fundamentals and tactics and principles build a synergetic culture? Well, you've come to the right place. So no matter where you find yourself in your career, this podcast is for you. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode of Synergetic Culture. Welcome to episode 26 of Synergetic Culture. My name is Adam Bieber, and I am so thankful that you're tuning into this very uh, special episode as we conclude our series, Eight Soft Skills That Will Change the Way You Lead. And I'm excited to conclude it uh, because I have a guest. And whether you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or one day on YouTube and you're watching us, you can see I've got a guest in the room and we are um, excited to uh, talk today and wrap up this series. And so um, uh, I'm, I want to introduce my friend Emily to our audience. Um, uh, Emily is a licensed professional counselor and family marriage therapist. And so today we're actually set up in her office um, a place called Rooted Counseling and Consulting. And um, Emily is a friend of mine that I've known for, I think, about six years. And um, it's been awesome to um, uh, just uh, ask her to come onto this podcast and share some of her thoughts and insights as we wrap up our series. So, Emily, welcome to the Thanks. Synergetic Culture Podcast. Yeah, happy I'm, to be here. <laughs> I'm excited for to having have me. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, was, was planning and preparing for... Uh, this episode and was just racking my brain because, and once I share what we're talking about, these last two soft skills, I think it'll click for um, everybody listening, but I wanted to get somebody on here that had um, uh, a, a professional understanding of these last two soft skills and the importance of them. And so I was racking my brain going, I want to, I want to interview a therapist. I want somebody that, that can um, speak into this. And I knew I couldn't use my own therapist because I think that's a breach of confidentiality. So um, he's amazing. And I'll if anybody wants to go see him, I've always been cool to recommend him. But um, so I just thank you for opening up your time, your practice mm -hmm. and um, your willingness to to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about emotional intelligence and self-awareness. And they do kind of run together. Um, there's a couple different definitions for the two, but they overlap. They, they're, they're two in, in one and they, they're, um, uh, crucial, uh, to, to kind of go as a pair. And so that's, that's what we're going to talk about today, but maybe you're listening to this cause you're a friend of Emily's. And so I want to just kind of recap and get everybody up to speed on, um, where we're at right now. So we've been in this series now for a couple of months and, um, it's called eight soft skills that will change the way you lead. And the reason why we um, wanted to take a focus on soft skills is um, I come from a background right now that's very much driven by hard data. Um, KPIs, metrics, we're constantly looking at at the, the results and um, everything is data driven. And when performance is based on the data, um, I think sometimes things get lost like the intangible soft skills that play into somebody's uh, performance and their ability to 
um, impact the people around them and impact the culture that they're a part of. And so, um, several months ago, I had a friend named Dwayne on the podcast and we started talking about some soft skills and, and then we launched this idea that we were going to do, um, this series. So to catch everybody up the first week, we talked about empathy and, um, I kind of talked about how uh, important empathy is to, um, uh, just, uh, elevating your, um, your leadership and your influence, mm-hmm. um, practicing it, not just at home and in personal relationships, but also in the professional setting. Um, and so that was, uh, that was the, the first week. And then we talked about discipline and I've got a friend who's a, uh, I think an eighth degree master Taekwondo instructor and, and one of the most disciplined people I know. And you might actually, um, you might've met Mark back in the, the, the day when we all were at the same mm-hmm. church together, but, um, he, uh, he's been a martial artist for 30 plus years. And so he talked about discipline. It was a great, great episode. Um, and then we covered communication and how, um, there's, there's ways to be aware and practice good communication and be clear and concise and consistent in the way that you communicate, um, and how that elevates, uh, your leadership. After that, we talked about flexibility and, uh, no matter how much you prepare for something, you know, this, your mother, things don't always go according to plan. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, uh, no matter how, how much you might be prepared, things change. And so being flexible and being able to, um, go with the flow sometimes, um, is a really, really solid soft skill and attribute to practice. And then, um, not too long ago, we covered problem solving. Um, and I shared some of the ways that, uh, my dad, uh, taught me to be a problem solver from a very young age and instilled in me this, you can solve problems. Like, you don't just have to um, discover a problem, but you can be part of the solution. Mm. Um, and now you have this rule that I, I use, I call it the five minute rule. And so we talked about that and um, hopefully that was helpful. And then the last episode, we talked about grit and how um, the perseverance and persistence that it takes to uh, develop and have grit and how that is honestly one of the key differentiators in really high performing uh, professionals, but also just people that are strong leaders. So those are the six we've covered in this series. And now we're, we're here landing the plane of this entire series. And we're talking about emotional intelligence and self-awareness. So that's a little recap, but um, I want to get into the conversation here with Emily because um, uh, one, I, I think her, her uh, input and opinion here is going to be uh, really helpful. Um, I'm an advocate for therapy and counseling. I don't, I would not call myself an expert in emotional <laughs> intelligence and self-awareness. Um, but I've got some good questions for you today. Yes. Um, yes. but before I do that, I think it's also helpful for, uh, just the listeners, you know, people that know you and, uh, people that know me to get to know you a little bit better. And, mm-hmm. you know, the people that are listening to this that don't know you, uh, to get to know you a little bit better. So, um, if you wouldn't mind just Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe, um, like where you grew up, family you grew Mm -hmm. up in, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I actually grew up in Atlanta. Um, I'm local to this area. I spent a few years of my childhood in Tampa, Florida, which have very fond memories of. We went to Disney and SeaWorld and Bush Gardens like on a weekly basis. Love it. So that we were living the dream, but um, have been here in Atlanta most of my life. Um, Grew up right down the road from here. Um, went to West Forsyth High School. Um, oh, okay. And then... Wolverines? Uh, yeah, yep. Wolverines. Yeah, Wolverines. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, I have an older sister who's a couple years older than me um, who's still local to this area as well. Nice. 
my younger brother um, is in his 20s and he has been all over the United States working in different aquarium settings and sea life, um, animals. It's very fun. We get to kind of just watch him. Explore the world. It's like a marine biologist? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Um, something like that. So like growing up and going to SeaWorld had a big impact Maybe on Maybe so. <laughs> Great point. That's yes. awesome. Yes. And then I have an adopted brother, Will, who's in middle school still. Oh, wow. Um, he's from Haiti. So. Very cool. Yeah, so I don't I've, think I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we get together and we have a whole variety of, of life that we're mm-hmm. living separately and we get to come and share it all. So. Um, all right. So I had, yes. I had some friends growing because I kind of grew up I say the formidable years middle school and high school in this mm-hmm, area mm-hmm. um grew up in Forsyth County which is yep. local to um our area in yes. Georgia um what kind of student were you because yeah. I can verify <laughs> I've got friends that went to West Forsyth okay. High School <laughs> yeah. I'm just playing no, no but what kind of yeah. student were you were yeah you, uh, great question um I was definitely a hard worker um School was really important to me. I think that was something that my parents always encouraged and sort of held us to a standard, whether mm-hmm. they said it or not. Um, like we got paid for good grades, basically. Mm. So very motivated. My sister was really smart, so I watched her excel. Um, so school was always really important to me. And even in my college education and my master's program, um, just very much wanted to kind of get it done, be efficient with my time, and then move on from there. So so C's yes. get degrees or C. A's? I think I got maybe one C. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Because you got paid, right? You got paid more for the A. So that was like <laughs> <Yeah>. the goal. <laughs> That's awesome. That's incentivizing for sure. Yes. Yeah. Very incentivizing. Yeah. yeah. It worked. Yeah. So that Absolutely. was that was what I did. But I also was a cheerleader, played tennis. Okay, cool. Um, very much engaged in, you know, the athletic side of things. Um, yeah. But Do you still play tennis? For fun, sometimes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sideline cheerleading. <laughs> yeah, yeah for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, no, no, definitely not. Um, and if anything, I have you know one and a half year old daughter who we can talk more about if you want. Yeah, but of course. We've actually decided that we'd rather her not pursue cheerleading if we could help it. Cool. Um, it's just very dramatic. Very. Um, oh yeah, I've seen the the show. Just drama. <laughs> it's real. It's it's a real thing. So we're we're trying to push her towards tennis and some other more you know fun sports to watch sure <laughs> sure I also have a child and I have preferences too sure yes but I've often thought like okay well if the kid comes to me and says he that's wants right. to go and play that's right you know badminton yeah. or whatever I'm gonna support him or if whatever. he wants to go dance that's I'm gonna right. I, I there's I've never said this on this podcast okay. but there was a yeah. two-year period in fourth and fifth grade where I took I was classically trained in ballet amazing and so I'm like, if the kid wants to dance, Amazing. heck yeah, let's go. Amazing. Um, I so. love it. Anyways, that's it's awesome. True love. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so cheer, tennis, mm-hmm. social life, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did you leave the state to go to school? I don't know if I know this. Yes. Yeah, so I actually went to Ole Miss for my undergraduate nice. program. Um, okay. I was kind of sick of Atlanta, needed a change of pace. Mm-hmm. So went off to, you know, the land of football and tailgating and yes. wanted that college experience. But with school always being kind of top priority for me, I actually finished a year early. Oh, wow. Um, which was good. I needed to come home, come back to reality, yeah. get my feet on the ground. Um, and that's when I pursued my master's program here in Atlanta at cool. a school called Richmond Graduate University. Yeah, sweet which is um, a theological-based counseling program. So you get awesome. a little touch of kind of a faith aspect as well Love that. in your schooling. Love that. I, yeah. I don't know where my therapist went to school, but he does incorporate faith yeah. and we're of the same faith. Sure. So it's awesome to be able to have that connection as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
you're married to an awesome dude named Dalton. Yes. And yes. Um, I've, we all you met because of the um, uh, community that we were yes. part of and the church group that That's we were right. part of for a while. And then um, would cross paths. I think I cross paths more with Dalton sure. um, yes. a lot more, but yes. So how did you two meet? I don't, yeah. I don't know if I know that story. It's a great story, actually. Um, he went to West Forsyth, but he was a year below me. And our parents were in small group what? together. So we pretty much grew up across the street from each other. But because he was younger than me, no we shot. never really did life together. <laughs> yeah, not at all noticing That's a him. nice way of saying you had wanted yeah. nothing to do with him. We never did life together. Yeah, didn't even notice him um, very much. So it wasn't until post-college that I moved back home and was involved um, with the local campus, uh, the local church yeah. campus that yeah. he was also a part of, that we reconnected. And, and it was sort of like... I know you, you know me, you're cute, I'm Our cute, let's hang out. Yeah. That's so cool. So then the rest is history and it just worked out. Um, it's perfect timing because we both needed to grow up separately, I think, very yeah. much so. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've been married for six years now. And wow. like I said, we have our one and a half, one and a half year old daughter, Sterling, who I, is a joy. So stinking cute. The cutest. Yeah, seriously, the cutest. Yes. Um, y'all did good. Thanks. Um, I think when I met y'all, you guys had just gotten engaged or yeah. you were engaged. Yeah. It was right before you got married. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Wow. It's crazy. Six years of lifetime. <laughs> flown by. So much has changed. So much has changed. Yes, yeah. Yes. And now I'm a, a, a dad to a f ridiculously smart four and a half year old and sweet. It's the best. It's so really sweet. awesome. Um, and then, so at what point growing up did you start to have an interest yeah. in counseling and, and yeah. family therapy? Yeah. So it was actually in high school, um, kind of part of that layer of needing to really grow up is yeah. I, you know, as most high schoolers do, um, kind of ran into some unhealthy relationships, had a lot of struggles with my self-esteem and, um, mm -hmm. kind of lost in as far as my identity goes. Um, but very much kept it to myself. Didn't really want to be vulnerable or invite anyone into that space. Um, wanted to kind of appear on the outside. Like I had it all together. Yeah. But inwardly and in my relationships was really struggling. And my mom, I think, noticed but knew that I wasn't going to invite her in and offered um, counseling to me. And at that point, I was like, yeah, that sounds great because wow. um, I feel like I need it and I'm not going to talk to anybody else. So I started to, um, you know, at this counseling relationship with my counselor at the time, still pretty much put a front up with her for a while, lied about everything. I'm good. Got nothing <laughs> to talk about. She's like, cool. I don't know why you're here then. Yeah. But yeah. Eventually stuff came out and it was such a um, transformative season of my life wow. and um, very impactful that I remember walking out of that relationship thinking, I'd like to do that for some uh, some other girls. I'd like to be that person for them. So um, that was kind of what motivated me to pursue psychology as a degree. And then, of course, you know, go into my master's program um, and what has led me here. Wow. So, yeah, made a huge impact on my life. Um, props to your mom for yes. having the, the wherewithal yes. to even suggest and offer and yes. make it available. Yes. I think that's phenomenal. I think... Um, it's just my humble opinion, but I think that there was a connotation and a stigma around yes. therapy and, and like, I don't blame, mm -hmm. um, my parents at all for this stigma, but I just mm -hmm. remember growing up feeling like, yeah, if you need therapy, something's wrong with yeah. you and like you're a psychopath up. or yeah. super messed up yes. or schizophrenic. Like I remember yeah. thinking yeah. like, Oh, people that need therapy are schizophrenic right. and, and that's not, yeah. yeah, just major problems. Yes. And that's just not the case. No, no. <laughs> and um, 
So for her to make that available to you and then for you at, I mean, even a young age mm-hmm. um, yeah. to start to be open and yeah. realize the value of it, I think is awesome. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Super cool. And yeah. so what were you, I mean, after that, were you dead set? Like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, not necessarily. I just knew I wanted to work with people and, you know, kind of be in a people oriented profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of options, I guess, within that field. But I think just along the way, I, you know, the conversations that I had, the, the professors that I had, it just sort of naturally came about, I sure. guess, in yeah. a way. Um, that at one point I considered, you know, going and getting my doctorate and like becoming a psychiatrist because I really liked the idea of prescribing medication and like being that smart, but I was just kind of done with school at that point (laughs) and ready to just start working. Um, so it kind of a combination of things that was an idea I had and it was just the one that kind of stuck the most. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, it's interesting because I think there's so many ways that people practice, um, counseling without the certification mm-hmm. like as a parent sure. you counsel your kids yeah. as a as a friend like sometimes yeah. you walk through difficult seasons with 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 people that you know or mm-hmm. um and and you end up being a listening ear for yeah, somebody and absolutely. then there's um uh the involvement we had within the local church like leading a small group yeah. of high school kids yeah. that can feel like yes. group therapy every yes. sunday yes <laughs> um and so it's cool that you kept yourself open to mm-hmm. what God had for you in mm-hmm. terms of how you would pursue yeah. this, this profession. And, and now it's, it's evolved to having mm-hmm. your own practice yeah. and you've been practicing for what, half a decade now. Yeah. And yeah. So that's just remarkable. Really, yeah. really cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so as I was, as I was planning and preparing for this, as I said already, like, um, talking about emotional intelligence and self-awareness is something I can talk about just from my own personal experience, but feeling like I have the, the knowledge and education to really, um, uh, make an impact here Mm -hmm. for the people that are listening that may Mm -hmm. be curious and want to know what, what exactly does this mean? How does this fit into my story? I wanted to talk with, with somebody in this space and I'm excited just to ask you a few more, a few more questions. Um, when I was, when I was preparing, I did some some research and went to uh, Google University yeah. and <laughs> um, came across a couple of definitions for mm-hmm. emotional intelligence and self-awareness. And, you know, at the beginning of this, I said these, they kind of run together. Mm-hmm. You and I talked about this before we hit record, like these yeah. kind of are interchangeable and almost the same thing. So as we talk about mm-hmm. it, it's almost going to be the, the same the same idea here, but the definition I came across for Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence was the ability to identify and manage one's own emotions as well as the emotions of others. And self-awareness is the experience of one's own personality Mm -hmm. or individuality. It's almost like self-awareness is the first piece to emotional intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, that in order to gain emotional intelligence and be able to manage your emotions and be aware of and manage other people's emotions, you have to be self-aware. Um, you can't manage your emotions without being able to name them and identify them and yes. yeah, be present with yourself. So that's yeah. a lot of what um, I think we can kind of pick apart in here yeah. of why is that important? Um, and I think just to, to, I think preface that, you know, you're calling these soft skills. It's a soft skill. And I think this is one of those areas that when you hear like, oh, vulnerability and like emotional awareness, like it feels very like soft and like weak, like why granola, crunchy, like this is like, 
I don't know yeah. why why is this necessary, sure. um, but I hope that throughout our time today we can really explore like why it's worth kind of getting into those soft areas even of your heart and, and mm. building that strength there so that you can be a better leader and even have more, you know, authority in yeah. these places. Yeah. Um, self-awareness for me has played an interesting role because it, it's one thing when like you kind of know things about yourself. Yeah. But it's another thing to be like keenly aware of when yes. you're responding certain ways yes. and doing certain things. Yes. And for me, uh, self-awareness has been a huge piece to how I cope and manage ang- chronic anxiety mm-hmm. and ADHD. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. I've, I've got both. And at first I didn't know what was going on yeah. inside of me. So I was having panic yeah. attacks and I was stressed out and I yep. couldn't focus. And so it took a while for me to develop mm-hmm. the, um, the awareness of what was going on yeah. and being able to kind of pinpoint um, yes. what was happening. And, you know, I, I, I've shared this with you before, but when I, um, first started my counseling journey, journey, mm-hmm. it was, a um, a place of shame for whatever reason mm-hmm. for me. Um, it, it had such a negative connotation in yeah. my mind. And so I felt like, well, if I'm needing help, mm-hmm. then something's really wrong with mm-hmm. me. And why would I want other people to know that something's wrong with me? Yeah. And we live in such a performance based society yeah and we are constantly um being graded and um elevated based on our performance and so me feeling like well here's an area where i'm weak Mm -hmm. just was unacceptable for anybody to see yeah um and so like when you were sharing that your you know your 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 mom was one of the first people to Mm -hmm. make this an opportunity for you and to be able to do it in high school, I think is so cool. Cause it, I mean, it was years later that I started mm-hmm. to realize like there's something, um, um, not wrong, but just right. there's, there's ways that I respond to things and I don't really understand why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how I, I imagine I'm not the only person that's had that right. experience. Yes. So like, how does somebody kind of get into the, the, sure. the mindset of being comfortable yeah. exploring self-awareness because yeah. I feel like also just if I'm being honest from a male perspective there's mm-hmm. this expect expectation that we're just going to suppress whatever yeah. emotion we're feeling because we got to have it all together and mm-hmm. and lead and lead strong sure so yeah. so how does somebody start to yeah go down that journey that's great uh <laughs> great question I think it starts probably just by even acknowledging that nobody has it all together um even if it seems like they do, um, even if our society encourages this, like I've got it all together, I'm, you know, performing, I'm putting my best foot forward. That's like what's encouraged, um, to really accept and acknowledge like that's not actually possible. Um, we all have our stuff and it may not even be something that we're wrestling with right now. We might have life kind of settled down, but it may be something from our childhood that we've never really addressed. It's influencing us without Mm. even realizing it like you are saying. Um, and so it's just acknowledging that no one has it all together. Even if you feel like people are expecting that of you, I would imagine that the relationships that you're in, like the most intimate relationship that relationships that you're in, what those people actually want to hear you say is I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't have it all together. That there's a lot of trust and safety that can be built by saying I'm struggling here or I don't have this figured out instead of putting up a front and then your loved ones are very clearly seeing you not be well. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, acknowledging that no one has it all together 
being open to discovering what that looks like for you and then trusting that as you pursue that and share that and air that out, it's actually going to make you a stronger person. Yeah. It's actually going to make you more whole, which is what you're trying to fake. I love the idea of, um, um, I I know I wasn't the one to come up with this. I heard it somewhere. Um, and I wish I could give credit because I can't remember (laughs) where I heard it. Um, but the idea of, um, the stuff that we carry that we deal with, um, I, I like to use the comparison of, um, bacteria Mm -hmm. and the reason why is just because not necessarily that that stuff is so bad and Mm -hmm. wrong, but bacteria grows when it stays dark and quiet and damp and stale and stagnant. Yes. But when brought into the light Mm -hmm. and you know, you get a body of water moving, it washes away and it cleans itself out. And so even just being able to say, I'm not okay, or I'm anxious and I don't know why, or, um, when I started to identify, I get a tightness in my chest when I feel this way Mm -hmm. and I don't know what's going on, Mm -hmm. you know, and then to be able to start to recognize the signs of Mm -hmm. I'm starting to panic and have, have like that kind of stuff became, um, very real and and then being able to identify them and and talk about them without a fear of or shame, uh, fear Mm -hmm. of rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where I started to realize is because when you go into a counseling office and you're sitting across a therapist Mm -hmm. there, there is no shame. There is no judgment. There is no condemnation. There is no. And so that, that was like such a safe place to start to get some of that stuff out. Yes. And then it helped me to be more, authentic and transparent just with the people around me, my friends, my friends, it's okay to let friends, Mm -hmm. close friends, um, in Mm -hmm. on things. Um, a minute ago you said something about being able to identify Mm -hmm. emotions. Yeah. And it's my personal experience with this is I've always been such a sensitive Mm -hmm. feely person. Mm -hmm. I'm usually the more in my feels type Mm -hmm. of person. But when it came time to identify emotions, I would freeze up. Sure. I didn't know how. Sure. And um, it wasn't until I saw the feeling wheel for the first time, that color wheel. Yes. And I started to like call them out and identify them. Oh, I feel uh, happy, elated, or I feel scared. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm worried right now. I'm, yes. um, I feel less than Mm -hmm. I feel worthless. Like to be able to start to identify and Mm -hmm. speak them and say them allowed me to um, almost just get honest with myself yeah. about what it was that was going on. Cause I was having physical responses yeah. to, um, to life and to things, sure. but I didn't know what they were. Right. So talk to us about identifying yeah. Yeah. those emotions and building that vocabulary mm-hmm. even. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going back to the first episode of this series, you really talk about the feelings wheel and I relate to that so much. I use this daily um, mm-hmm. in my practice, yeah. um, personally in my own life. Um, because yeah, basically what we are able to acknowledge is I feel sad. I feel happy. I feel whatever these kind of vague big picture emotions, but oftentimes what's really happening beneath the surface is something way more specific. Um, I'm not just feeling sad. I'm actually feeling lonely. Mm. And if you're able to get the word for what that feeling is and have that um, aha moment of, oh, this is what's going on, what really can be done then is this clear next step as far as how do I then support this emotion? Because if I'm just sad, 
maybe I just go to my typical coping mechanism when I'm sad. You know, I, I, I eat ice cream, I binge Netflix, whatever. But if I know I'm actually feeling lonely, maybe I'll call a friend. Mm. Maybe I call my mom. Maybe I call someone and invite them into that space or even go find a pet so that I'm not lonely anymore. And then that need that is actually really um, available to you is getting met and you're not just kind of scratching the surface or managing the symptoms while that need is still very much alive. Yeah. So Uh, using the feelings wheel, I think is a wonderful tool. Yeah. Would highly recommend, um, pulling one of those out, screenshotting out on your phone and just having it with you all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I mean, even as recently as a couple months ago, been sitting in a counseling session myself and, um, it's like I start to, I, I'm trying to explain what's going on mm-hmm. and what I'm feeling. And then I literally will go, hold on, yes, pull my phone out good. and I'll look at it and I'll be zooming in. I'm like, okay, I feel that. Yeah. I also feel this one. That's great. Yeah. I'm not yes. just sad. I'm, I'm lonely and yeah. I feel abandoned. Yeah. Like, there's a few. The, yeah. There's yeah, working. multiple. And, mm-hmm. and so, gosh, it's, it's, um, it's been a game changer because identifying it is kind of the start yes. and then realizing, I think and I could be wrong here, but I feel like the next step is realizing where it's coming from. Yeah. I like the, yeah. um, I don't know if you use this exact language, but I feel about because yeah. like, here's what I'm feeling yeah. about the situation because mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of starting into that, that journey. And the, again, mm-hmm. like this isn't just if you have really traumatic right. stories or right. just experience something really sad or somber, like this is helpful for, yes, just building your emotional intelligence every day. Yes. Um, and then where does it start to, at least for, for you, um, like you can't just be aware of something Mm -hmm. without any action to work on it. So what is that? Like, how do you, how do you kind of get over that that hump? Yeah. So I think it definitely starts by just identifying what's going on. It's great to be able to do the work as far as like, noticing what's feeding that emotion. Sure. Um, but a lot of what I will address in my counseling setting and something that you can do really practically like in your own time is recognizing that your emotions are being fed by your thoughts mm-hmm. and or your behaviors. Yep. And usually we just, we feel a certain way and we notice we're feeling a certain way and we just want to stop feeling that way because it's uncomfortable. Yep. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling nervous about this test or this project coming up. And so I'm just going to kind of suppress it again, cope with it. But if we can recognize that maybe that feeling of fear or anxiety is being driven by this belief that I'm a failure yeah. or I'm, I'm a fake or my boss is going to totally see right through me. Um, what we can do practically is start to challenge our thoughts. Mm. Is there even evidence to prove that? Yep. Um, is yep. there a new belief that I can actually speak over myself? Mm. Is there a truth that I can be seeking out that maybe a loved one has told me that it's coming from a trusted source that I can just sort of adapt for myself? Or have I gotten feedback recently that actually proves that belief to be incorrect? Yeah. Um, so challenging those thoughts is a really great place to start. And then challenging the behaviors, because again, oftentimes, you know, they, they, they all feed in together. So if we're feeling anxious about a project, we might just avoid it completely. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's too big. It's too much. <laughs> 
I'm not going to be able to manage it. So I'm just going to, I'll save it for another day. Uh Right. Uh What's that, what that's doing is actually feeding the anxiety. It's making it bigger. It's making the fear worse. It's also building a habit of, of how I cope with, with anxiety. Exactly. I'm just going to leave it. That's right. I'm going to push it off till later. It becomes the norm. Right. And then, but what you experience is the next day, your anxiety is bigger. So behaviorally speaking, recognizing, okay, what are, what am I doing in response to this feeling now that I know what it is and maybe even where it's coming from and how can I challenge those behaviors? Maybe I need to start setting like a 10 minute timer and every day just knocking out a little bit of this project or maybe I need to call a coworker and ask them for help and, and say I'm, I'm lost or I'm feeling overwhelmed by this. Um, so yeah, that's a really great kind of response to this awareness that you're growing of how am I feeling and what can I do about it and and recognizing that you have influence over those feelings through your thoughts through your behaviors but if you're not aware of your feeling it's just going to go and run rampant and be left unchecked and probably have a negative impact on well yeah whatever goal you have for yourself it's it's pretty interesting because um what I heard you say was the the underlying beliefs drive behaviors and thoughts. Yeah. And so when there's behaviors and thoughts that, you know, just aren't jiving with you, right. they're not, um, positive. They're not helping you. They're not, they're, they're, they're restricting you, mm-hmm. um, having to explore, okay, well, what, where is this coming from? Yeah. And what do I believe about the situation? And yeah. why is it that I have this yeah. anxiety or this doubt or this fear or this, mm-hmm. um, resentment or anger mm-hmm. whenever X, Y, and Z happens? Yeah. Um, because in order to really change the thoughts and behaviors, you have to go back and mm-hmm. start to change the belief and belief yeah. is sometimes you have to replace the thoughts with mm-hmm. other thoughts. Like you said, yeah. go to a trusted source right. that can speak more positively over the situation right. and help give you tools. I think for me, the biggest thing in my journey has been having the tools mm-hmm. to respond differently. Yeah. Um, five, six years ago when I was in the middle of having panic attacks and was mm-hmm. trying to keep it quiet and not tell anybody, mm-hmm. I didn't have coping tools. Yeah. I didn't know how to box breathe. I didn't know mm-hmm. how to, I didn't know that changing the temperature and going for a walk mm-hmm. outside would be so helpful for yeah. me. I didn't know that exercising when mm-hmm. I started to feel the tightness in my chest would help mm-hmm. make it go away. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of that stuff. Sure. And so it was hard for me to realize that something's not okay yeah. and yeah. try to fix it on my own when right. I had no idea how to, right. how to do it. And I think something that counseling and therapy has helped me a lot with is having the tool set mm-hmm. to respond Yeah, because ish is going to keep happening. Yeah. I yeah. try not to swear on this podcast, sure, but sure. stuff is going to keep happening. Stuff is going to happen. And so then it's like, yeah. how do we respond? Yeah. Um, yeah. What kind of resources can mm-hmm. somebody look for if they if they need tools and maybe they're not ready to step into a counseling office yeah well google university (laughs) like you mentioned yeah (laughs) very informative Mm -hmm. um but yeah those kind of simple like um breathing techniques um grounding techniques can be found Mm. on the internet um even uh youtube is a great resource for like mindfulness um scripts they can really talk you through deep breathing exercises or kind of mind to body connections really getting in tune with your body like meditation type stuff yeah Yeah. meditation but not so hokey and like weird but just more about being present right yeah 
how to kind of come back to the present moment because what happens when we're feeling anxious or angry or overwhelmed by an emotion is we come out of our window of tolerance and we get stuck kind of in our thoughts. We mm. get stuck in the future, in the past, somewhere that we don't have control over. Sure. And so by practicing mindfulness, coming back to the present moment can really help you put put you back into your body where you actually do have control. I can yeah. do something about this very moment, yeah. but I can't do anything about what happened a year ago or what's gonna happen a month from now. Sure. But I can do something right now to take care of myself, pursue my goals, et cetera. You, so. you remind me of this this practice that um, my, my therapist and I have worked on. And um, the moment something happens, mm -hmm. the moment I start to feel anxious or I'm angry or mm -hmm. I'm, you know, something's not okay. Yeah. One of the filters I use for my thought process is one, um, is this my responsibility or is mm -hmm. this, it, I say, is this, um, my responsibility to change or within my sphere of influence to affect change? Great. And if it's not, yeah, then I need to find another thought Sure. because me worrying about, yeah, something that I have zero control over yes. is never going to produce anything positive. It's a waste. It's a, waste it's a of total energy. waste of energy. Yeah. Total waste of energy. And so yeah. it's not enough to say, and I used to say this when I would mm -hmm. lead um, um, I, the small group, the high school small group, it's not enough to say, I'm just not going to do something. You yeah. have to choose something else, yeah. like choose a different action. So, okay, I'm worried about this. Mm -hmm. I can't just say, well, you know, anytime somebody says like, oh, just stop worrying about it. Don't, yeah, right. You don't have to be anxious. No. I'm like, no, shut up right. because I am helpful. anxious. Right, <laughs> yeah. not helpful. But it's it's having a tool yeah. set or an, an act, action or activity that you know yes. is going to help yes. get you through that. So for yeah. me, for a while, it was like running. And then I got like right. obsessive about sure. it. And, <laughs> sure. um, you know, would run stupid amounts of miles without proper training because I just needed yes. to process and, and work through things. Um, but there's healthy ways yes. to cope so that you're not going to alcohol or mm -hmm. drugs or mm -hmm. uh, destructive yeah. types of behavior. quick fix. Yeah. 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 Getting to the root of the problem. So, um, when it comes to, well, let me just say this. I feel like I have been led by and worked under leaders that were very emotionally aware, okay. uh, self-aware, yeah. had a high emotional intelligence. Yeah. Um, I could tell that they were practicing healthy behaviors mm -hmm. and coping mm -hmm. mechanisms and things like that. Um, and it made me more um, comfortable and sure. at peace being able to kind of share some of my yeah. stuff and work with it. But I also feel like I've worked with people that just didn't mm -hmm. have it, mm -hmm. that just weren't as um, open to, yeah. to uh, be, being vulnerable and mm -hmm. being real with other people. How much of an impact does it make yeah. from a leadership perspective yeah. to to not pursue emotional yeah. intelligence and self-awareness? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, from your um, experiences, you can see that it has a direct influence on you as the employee, um, as far as the safety that you feel yeah. with your manager, with your leader, whoever, to be able to just be real with them. Um, so I think it's, it's so important that as a leader, you're you're strengthening your emotional awareness, you're strengthening your self-awareness. And, and in that, you know, identifying your emotions, taking care of yourself, getting your needs met, that you're leaning into your strengths. 
basically what you're doing as a leader in that is that you're able to contain yourself. Yeah. That I walk into the workplace and I am aware of what's going on in my world, but it's contained. Yep. And if I'm not investing in my emotional awareness and self-awareness, what I do is I walk into the to the workplace an open, just everything is spilling out. Yeah. My feelings are just coming out. I'm not even noticing how I'm impacting others. And I'm just unsafe in yeah. that spot. And so my employees are less likely to come to me because they're going to be afraid of me blowing up on them, rea- overreacting, underreacting, brushing them off, yeah. not being present with them yeah. because they see me kind of being in my own thoughts, distracted by myself, not able to even handle my own emotions. How in the world could I handle theirs? Somebody else's. Yeah. 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 Yes. So wanting to just, yeah, be contained and be present with mm. your employees to their needs, to their feelings, to be able to meet with them where they're at and not be again, distracted by my world, my internal world. I, um, I'm such a visual learner. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for like, um, my mom used to call them object lessons. Great. Like here's the, yeah. the example here, like the bacteria. Yeah. Earlier. Yeah. Um, I thought of a Coke can mm-hmm. and a Coke bottle. Okay. And when you shake both of them, yeah, you can't tell the can's been shook until you pop the lid and sure. it just yeah. explodes everywhere. But a Coke can, you can mm-hmm. see that it's fizzing. You can mm-hmm. see the bubbles and you know to like slowly release it. Sure. Sure. So it not only does it help, the person with the mm-hmm, Coke bottle, mm-hmm. but if there's other people with Coke bottles and you yeah. can see if you're self-aware of yourself, then yes. you can also be aware of yes. other people. Yes. And I think the essence of, it doesn't matter what career you're in, mm-hmm. what, um, social setting, yeah. um, how far up the corporate ladder, um, being able to be, uh, aware of your mm-hmm. own yeah. self awareness, your own emotions, but then having the, the ability to see other people. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're, it's relationships. That's yeah. all that life is, is building mm-hmm. and fostering and nurturing relationships, whether you're selling a product or sure. a service or raising a family. Yeah. Yeah. You're building relationships. And I just think it's so impactful mm-hmm. to, to, to be aware of this and to focus on it and, and do something about it. Yeah. Um, one of the kind of common things that, we've said several times here on the podcast is um, uh, your position does not determine your potential to mm-hmm. make an impact on yeah. people. Yeah. And so even if somebody's listening and they're like, I'm not really a part of a big company or sure. an organization, like what culture am I a part of that I can make mm-hmm. a difference in? Tell me about and tell us about the, the greater impact on yeah. other people by yeah. somebody just saying, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in my yeah. own, emotional intelligence. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, definitely in the workplace, but like you said, in your relationships with your friends, with your family members, with your loved ones, um, with your neighbors, that all of it, all of those areas of life are impacted by your ability to be self-aware, um, stay present in the moment and, and in that be available to others. Um, so it's, it's, worth the investment it's worth the pursuit not only in these relationships because then you're able to be more available to them um, maybe even be more real with them be more vulnerable with them Um, but even again just with yourself you're going to have more peace internally Mm -hmm. with yourself you're going to be able to recognize 
why am I feeling this way? What's going on? And how can I get my needs met? Um, and have that kind of self-assurance, that safety with yourself, instead of just feeling a certain way and then going on this pursuit to get that feeling fixed and then it coming back again the next day wow. or, or placing those needs on others who can't get that need met for you because you don't even know what it is. And so sure. they're, they're kind of not meeting your expectations because they don't even know how to meet your expectations. Because so, they don't even know what the expectation yeah, is. And yes. you don't even know, yes. right? You can't oh, even ask. So yeah, you can't even ask for what you need specifically because you're unaware of what's going on. And so as it impacts your relationships, it really starts from this place, this internal space of safety with yourself, awareness of self, ability to care for yourself, and then adding people into that in a healthy manner, in a balanced way, and not out of need, out of pressure, out of spite or whatever, and yeah. then backfiring. Yeah. Yeah. I, gosh, that that's so good. Um, I think, um, like you said, kind of at the beginning, like it can be kind of a corny. Sure. Soft. Yes. One of the softer of the soft skills. Yeah. People don't want to, nobody jumps up and down is like, yes, let's talk about vulnerability. Let's talk about, let's talk about my feelings. Right. Um, But it's so evident how important Mm -hmm. it is Mm -hmm. for, um, for life. Yeah. Just doing life is not easy and having the skill set and the tools and the ability to uh, leverage help. Yeah. I mean, there's even just the, uh, I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but this just, I just remembered this. I was in, um, another country on a mission trip mm-hmm. and, um, did a, a global X trip to Honduras mm-hmm. nice. several years ago. Yeah. And, um, I started to share. So I got, it was crazy. We showed up at, in this village and it was a Sunday and so they're like, you guys prepared a song, right? And I was like, oh, snap. So I looked at our team and I was like, we're going to sing this song. Right. So we all sing the song. And then yeah. they're like, you also prepared a, a message, right? And I oh was like, snap. So I'm like standing yeah. there. I'm like, I've got some go-to scripture verses I can flip to. I've sure. got some some stuff I can say. I started to share about anxiety and 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 um, uh, feeling anxious and being able to trust in our higher power, which mm-hmm. is God, being mm-hmm. able to trust in God. And, um, so I say this stuff and uh, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. I didn't really have something super solid prepared. I didn't know what was going to happen until like 30 minutes before church. And so I was like, okay, here we go. Um, but our, the, the, um, guide that we had in the country, um, like three days later, Mm -hmm. we were going from one area in the village to another. And it was like, we had to hike everywhere. It was, it was laborious. And so we're walking and she and I are talking and she just, started asking me questions about my sermon that I preached on Sunday. And I was like, I don't know that I call that a sermon. It was more just my thoughts. But okay. (laughs) And she said that, um, she thinks that her husband has anxiety, Hmm. but she said talking about feelings like Mm -hmm. this and even having a name for it isn't in our language. Wow. And I was like, holy smokes. And so she started to just like open up and share. And so, we talked and I told mm-hmm. her some of the stuff that I had learned up until that point. Sure. But I was still in the middle of my journey and right. was just sharing stuff that I was struggling with. Wow. And, and, and so for us, I say share that because it's, there's a real, it needs to be a realization that we are fortunate yeah. to yeah. sit down and have a conversation like right. this Absolutely. and record it, sure. publish it right. for anybody to listen right. to across the globe and talk about stuff like this yeah. because in other cultures and in other countries, mm-hmm. they may not even have a word to identify wow. mental health yeah. or 
anxiety or yeah. depression or sure. things that people battle. And, and there are people that mm-hmm. battle, unfortunately, alone. Mm-hmm. So having that realization yeah. makes me really grateful. Yes, yes. <laughs> for one, um, just for you in this conversation and, and this setting and yeah. the freedom we have to do this. But I hope that it encourages yeah. people that are listening. Yes. That no matter what happens in life, that there's mm-hmm. something that they can do to um, uh, handle, tackle, better, mm-hmm. better um, uh, um, respond yeah. to the circumstances of life. Just manage it. Manage it. In a more balanced and productive way. Right. And again, not only in the workplace, but in every relationship and every layer of life, but really most importantly with yourself, Mm. Um, because, you know, your relationships are important. We're built to be in relationships, like you said. But at the end of the day, you go to sleep with your own thoughts. So how nice would it be to be able to go to sleep at night and have peace of mind and have this awareness of I'm feeling this way? I know why I'm feeling this way and I know what I need to feel better instead of just trying to, again, cope with those symptoms and then be, you know, leaving a wake behind you and not realizing why. Yeah. Be a lot more peace. So we're worth the pursuit. And like you said, a gift that we even have the opportunity to do so. So take advantage of the internet, take advantage of counselors, take advantage of these podcasts and the messages that are here and available to you to just offer support in these areas that we all need. There's even mindfulness apps. There's, 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 you know, uh, counseling apps. If you're uncomfortable, like my suggestion is always like, we don't, everybody doesn't need to know everything. You don't need to, you don't need to go live on Instagram after listening to this and be like, guys, I have these issues. (laughs) This is what I do. (laughs) Um, no, but it's important to have people in your, in your circle, a person or a person. Yeah. That's a good point that, that can be, have a window into what it is that you're going through. Yes. Give us some, like anybody listening, Mm -hmm. a practical step they can take right now as they're, as they're wrapping this other than like going online and Googling stuff, but like, Somebody that wants to really take mm-hmm. action, what mm-hmm. what else can they do? Yeah, um, maybe identify who that safe person is in your life. Mm. Um, thinking through the layers of community, who has proven to you that they're loyal, they're consistent, they're safe. Yeah. And maybe just start a conversation with them. Um, I know it's vulnerable to ask the question, but at some point, maybe even in this relationship asking, like, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Um, is there anything that you're noticing that I maybe am blind to. Um, but even before that, just identifying that person. Um, but it might even be helpful before inviting someone else in and identifying that person is just doing this kind of, you know, self exploration, maybe taking a personal assessment, um, um, a temperament, you know, test, uh, taking the Enneagram exam, uh, or whatever other kind of personality assessment, a strengths finder, what that really does is provide this black and white content that you can say, oh, that that makes sense. Yeah. That feels really accurate to who I am and can really help you identify maybe an area of weakness or an area where you need to grow. And then that can really provide insight to when I invite a counselor in or a friend in or a loved one in, these are the areas that I want to maybe process with them. And sure. You're starting from some clarity sure. and not just, I don't know where to even, you start. know, I've had, I've, I've met people that have said like, Oh, I don't like to do those assessments because sure. it puts me in a box. Sure. And really it doesn't. Sure. It, it, yeah. It, it gives you a language yes. and a bit depth of understanding yes. 
just because my strengths finder is whatever right. or my right. Enneagram type is this doesn't right. mean that that's all I am. It's not all inclusive. Absolutely it, but not. But it certainly does help me to realize, okay, yes. I identify with this is how I process. And yes. This makes so much sense to read it and yes. have language around it and yes. be able to articulate why I'm responding the way yeah. I'm responding or living life the way that I'm living. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then what about next steps for count? Like how does mm -hmm. somebody find a counselor? Yeah. Um, so if you go to psychology today, um, there, there's a huge kind of referral list that you can cool. um, search, you know, for yeah. the type of counseling you're interested in the area that you live in. Um, if you're involved in a church, they often do have relationships with local counselors and you can ask awesome. them yeah. for um, advice. You can look on your insurance panel and see who's covered by your insurance. That mm. can really help with the financial piece of that. Mm -hmm. um, so either one of those uh, resources is great or ask a friend, someone yeah. that you know has seen a counselor, ask <clears throat> them. There's some built in trust there that sure. another person you know had a good experience with this particular person. Yeah. So word of mouth can be a really great way as well. It can. I, um, I try to be as transparent about my journey yeah. now that I'm comfortable and I realize mm -hmm. how positive it is. Yeah. Um, because for a while, like I said, I tried to hide it, but now it's like, I want to talk about yeah. it. I want people to know that how much, um, help they can get from mm -hmm. entering into a healthy, um, counseling yeah. situation and being able to, um, uh, leverage the, the tools and mm -hmm. the advice and the help and the input, um, from someone safe like that. I, um, just last week I had somebody on my team who, um, came to me and he was like, so bro, you like, I know you, you talk about going to therapy and stuff. Yeah. He was like, I'm starting to go. It's great. And I was like, dude, yes. yes. Like I was just pumped. Like I was yeah. able to like fist pump him and be Amazing. like, dude, you're going to love it. Like, yeah. And, and I also preface this by saying, um, or I want to, I want to say that it's, it's okay if you don't have an instant connection. Yeah. At least for me personally, yeah. like I know it, I probably saw six different therapists mm -hmm. in five years sure. before I really felt like I connected with yes. the right one. Yes. And now I've seen the one I'm seeing for mm -hmm. almost three years. Yeah. And so if, if it doesn't feel like the right fit, it's okay. Right. Like, but continue to be open, continue yes. to go, continue yes. to explore. Um, okay. So now I want to ask mm -hmm. if, if somebody's listening to this and they're local to our area yeah. and they're, they want to connect with you. Yeah. Um, I, I love the idea of being able to support your business and your profession and what you do. Cause mm -hmm. I fully uh, believe in, um, the, the heart and mind mm -hmm. that you bring to, um, counseling and therapy. How can someone get in, in, in touch with you? Yeah, great. Um, so I have a website. It's mm -hmm. rooted-counseling.com. Sweet. Um, they can find me there. I have, you know, my number and email listed. There's also sort of like a little form they can complete. Um, cool. And it will go straight to me and I'll respond. And you're accepting right clients now. I am accepting new clients. Yes. And, and kind of back to your point too, I would say, you know, look through my profile, look at my picture. Yeah. Call me and have a conversation first. Do that with lots of counselors if you must. And don't feel like you have to commit to someone for three years right away. Like look at people's profiles. Sometimes sure. you can really get a good sense as far as, you know, what their personality is like and if you're going to mesh well with them before you even make the call or go into their office. Yep. So do that with me. Do that with lots of people. And then, you know, if it feels right, take that next step and just trust the process. And is are, are you... Um, 
I don't know the answer to this. So I'm just going to ask, are sure. you only meeting with people in person or will you do virtual? No, meetings? I'm yeah, I do both. Okay, um, cool. Ever since COVID, yeah. uh-huh, we all had to do virtual counseling. Sure. Yep. So that was my norm. And now I have a good mix of both. So okay, I have a lot cool. of clients that prefer virtual because it's easier for them on their schedule um, or they live far from my office, but still want to meet with me or I have some college students who are out of town. So cool. Um, cool. yeah, both are options. And I feel like a lot of counselors offer both at this point in time, just because we all had to adjust just. Yeah. So again, as you're looking in people into people's profiles and websites and making the calls, ask the question if yeah. that's important to you and yeah, don't be sure. afraid to ask for what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, it's going to be hopefully a good fit. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, rooted counseling.com. Um, at least just go and, yeah. uh, you can, you can see Emily's picture. You'll see our picture on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, episode thing, but um, you can also just support the, the, um, the business that she has. And, um, if you want to connect, if you want to ask questions, if you want to have a conversation, maybe consider meeting with her, yeah. I would strongly suggest it. Um, I, I love supporting my friends. I love being able to support my community and, um, being able to support somebody that does so much good for mm-hmm. people like me who have struggled and needed help. People sure. like yourself who like all of us. have struggled yes. and needed help <laughs> yes. like all of us. Yes. Um, is, is remarkable. So, um, thank you for sharing, you know, one, Mm -hmm. one more thought I had, and I feel like we've been trying to land the plane here for a second, (laughs) but it just kind of dawned on me a little bit that I I think, and you can say whether I'm right or wrong here, emotional intelligence and self-awareness, when you focus on, um, yourself and working on Mm -hmm. these things, um, the other soft skills we covered in this series, probably get a little bit better. Yes. I know for me personally, my empathy has yes, grown definitely. because of this process. Yes. Um, I didn't get more empathetic because I got divorced. I got mm-hmm. more empathetic because I processed getting yes, divorced. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and some of the other things that I've gone through. Yes. Um, I don't feel like I, um, well, I do feel like, um, something like discipline mm-hmm. and my communication with yeah, people, absolutely. um, how flexible I am, Yes, just more understanding. I mean, empathy is kind of woven mm-hmm. within this emotional mm-hmm. intelligence is woven within it. Mm-hmm. Problem solving grit. Yeah. The more aware I have, I am of myself, mm-hmm. the more tools I have to cope with challenges and difficulties, yes. the better I am as a person and the more impactful I'll be to the people I'm around, no matter who it is. Absolutely. So that, I think this is the best way we could have wrapped up yeah. um, this series, eight soft skills that'll change the way you yeah. lead. And I hope that it does. I hope that anybody that's listening to mm-hmm. this finds themselves in the story and is able to apply something yeah. to their life immediately. Yeah. So Emily, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Happy <laughs> this has to been be here. a this, lot of fun. It's great. Um, I hope that, I hope that through this, um, maybe somebody feels compelled to yeah. either reach out to you or reach out to That'd a counselor yeah. and, um, and get some help and, and start working mm-hmm. on this kind of stuff. Yes. And, um, if you've got any questions, you can reach out, um, through our social media platforms and I would be happy to share the website again, uh, through that. So you guys can find, um, Emily, Emily, if you would like, but I do want to thank everybody for listening to today's episode. And I encourage you to go back. If you missed any of the Uh, parts of this series or just want to go listen to other episodes. Um, We're continuing to build the content here and, and it's so exciting. Um, Truly, truly grateful for your input and influence here, Emily. And um, I just, I'm grateful. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome. Tune in next time as we have another um, incredible interview. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and give a little teaser because 
I, I just dawned on me there's two other interviews lined up to coming after this and it's it's a powerhouse trifecta of powerhouse women that Amazing. are that are getting interviewed so i'm Girl excited power. yes Love seriously it. the last interview was um was a woman and we've got three i mean it's just a powerhouse mm. lineup so i'm excited um to jump into that but uh tune in next time and uh thank you for listening thank you for listening to today's episode to learn more about synergetic culture we invite you to go to synergeticculture.com sign up to receive our weekly podcast and blog and then connect with us on social media we want to be connected to you If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and then share our show with the people around you so they too can build a synergetic culture. This episode was written and recorded by Adam Bieber, founder and CEO of Synergetic Culture. Synergetic Culture is a registered trademark of Adam Bieber and the Synergetic Culture Company.